saw this situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb pro armor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my winner. By the way. Still pulling for Baker Mayfield. I hope he gets it together. I hope next year he's quarterbacking a team leading them to the promised land. But I wanted to start out talking about Jacob deGrom today. And I think there's a lot of negative media being pointed at Jacob for his response. Well, first of all, maybe bitter fans. And, and I'm part of the group. I'm, I'm upset. I'm not happy. That Jacob DeGrom, the great pitcher for the New York Mets for the past nine seasons, decided to sign with the Texas Rangers and not come back to the Mets, where the Mets would have brought him back. You know, if he said, hey, this is what it would have took, I believe that Steve Cohen would have said, here, here's what you want, we're going to bring you back. I understand animosity when a player leaves as a free agent. It's kind of like that whole uh, girlfriend. You, know, you love the girlfriend, you care about her a lot, and she decides she wants to go date somebody else, or at the very least, she doesn't want to date you anymore. And you're bitter, you're upset. You go from love, you know, the extreme love, or feeling that you can't do without this person, to the opposite, where you just you, you can't stand the thought of that person. You know, the animosity, the hatred kind of comes out when relationships end up failing. And that's what I see a lot when it comes to fans of the New York Mets. But the thing that I want to address is this expectation that Jacob deGrom owes it to you as the fan, owes it to his teammates, owes it to Steve Cohen and before that the Wilpons to express his gratitude for playing for the Mets for nine seasons. Listen, this was a team that drafted him. Out of Stetson University. He had Tommy at John surgery early on in his career. Eventually worked his way up. I remember, I'm, I'm happy to say that I saw a game that he pitched for the Savannah Sand Nats when nobody knew who the hell Jacob DeGrom was. So he had an opportunity. He grew with it. He became one of the best pitchers in baseball. One of certainly the top three or four pitchers to ever put on a uniform for the New York Mets in their history. All of that can be true. But Jacob DeGrom doesn't owe you anything. Jacob DeGrom doesn't owe the fans anything. Jacob DeGrom doesn't owe the Mets anything. Jacob doesn't, DeGrom doesn't owe, doesn't owe New York City anything. Because you know what? He could very well have not liked it here. He could have very well not liked playing for the New York Mets. And if that was the case, I believe that that could be okay. And it should be okay. And you talk about every player now with the world of social media. And by the way, you know, it's not like DeGrom has a, an active Twitter account that he's tweeting, you know, 10,000 tweets every, every week. You know, that's not the case. Most players now, because of social media, have the ability to communicate with the fans. And I think that's one of the, the positive things that we've seen. This kind of connection between the players and the fans. And there's obviously good things about it and there's bad things about it. Listen, we've, we've spoken about both of them. It's not, this isn't something brand new. It's not like it's something I haven't brought up on a PBS before. But when it comes down to it, the player still has the right to be happy. 
And one of the things that I don't like that I've never been a fan of is giving that fake apology or that fake uh, sign of a debt of gratitude. And, and you've seen it out there that people, hey, somebody did something wrong and then all of a sudden there's a written apology so they sound good. You know very well they don't mean the apology. They're just doing the apology for the sake of trying to appease people. And I think the same thing applies when it comes to Jacob deGrom. Listen, can we come to grips with the fact that Jacob deGrom didn't like being with the New York Mets? Can we come to grips with the fact that Jacob deGrom couldn't wait to hit free agency so he could leave the New York Mets and play for a different organization? Maybe he didn't like his teammates. Maybe he didn't like the organization. Maybe he didn't like the fans. Maybe, wait, wait for it, wait for it. Maybe he didn't like New York City. All these things could be true. And if it is true, would you rather him give some half-ass thank you? Yeah, thanks for letting me play baseball and pay me millions of dollars to play in a city that I never wanted to be part of. You don't want anything half-ass. At least I don't. You may want it. You may want that half-ass apology that you know is never meant when players end up getting in trouble or they say something stupid or do something stupid. You want to hear the apology, right? Why? That's my question to you. Why do you want to hear the apology that you don't you know isn't authentic? So when it comes to Jacob DeGrom, if he goes out there and thanks New York, you know, whatever, for any of the time he had here, we understand that it's not authentic and it's not how he feels. He could feel the other way. You know what? And and whatever consequences you want to throw as a fan or as the New York media back at Jacob for this, you're entitled to do. You could dislike Jake. You could boo him every time he pitches at City Field. You could dislike him for the rest of the time he plays Major League Baseball. You, know, you could advocate never bringing him back to you know Mets old-timers games. Whatever, whatever the extreme that you want to do as that bitter boyfriend that got shoved to the side by a girl that just simply wanted to date somebody else or just didn't want to date you, you you're entitled to whatever your reaction can be. Whatever, however you're naturally feeling, you could feel. But while I'm saying this, Jake's got the right to do what he wants to. And I don't think there's anything wrong with him not thanking the fans or thanking the Mets or thanking Steve Cohen or thanking the Wilpons. If he didn't like his time in New York, he's got the right to not like that. If he didn't like playing for the Mets, he's got the right not to like it. If he doesn't like the New York fans, you know what? He's got the right to feel that way too. And anybody who doesn't agree with that, unfortunately, you're part of the problem. The other thing that's kind of uh, grinding my gears a little bit, you notice and you hear it every week. You can tell you don't you don't even need to run scores down from the NFL games each week. You know, we go and we say, hey, this team beat this this team. All you got to do is put a tune out to social media and listen to which fans are bitching the most about why a team lost. And it's usually because of the officials, right? You know, the officials never miss a call for a team that wins, right? So I, I put all this together. You know, you got anger, hostility that builds up, but it, it's never the players. It's very seldom the coach. And you know what? When in certain times when there's nothing else to blame, a fan will blame the coach. But it's never the players. Fans do everything they can to try to exonerate the players, the ones that they root for, the ones that they want to see the most out of. And at the very least, we'll pick one or two 
to chastise and pick on. But my point of this is officials have been blowing calls in the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, basketball, every sport you could imagine since there was any sort of officiating put into sports. And people have a hard time understanding that officiating is subjective. And what one person sees may not be what another person sees. What one person may see with their eyes, the other person may miss. And guess what? Just like the same players that screw up games for you, just like Jacoby Myers, who I believe should be cut for his decision to throw the football wildly into the field and have it caught by Chandler Jones and ran for a touchdown and ended up ending the game. By the way, the last time something like that happened was when Greg Williams, the then defensive coordinator of the New York Football Jets, decided to go a, an all-out blitz with zero zero coverage when the Raiders threw a hail, you know, not necessarily a Hail Mary, it was just a Henry Ruggs wide open down the field for a game-winning touchdown. And guess what? Greg Williams got fired for it. I would expect to see Jacoby Myers fired, released for that play. But that's neither here nor there. When it comes down to it, officials see the game a certain way. And sometimes a play is going to go your way, and sometimes a play isn't going to go your way. And for all these fans that bitch every week, and once again, you can tell which team lost by which team's fans are bitching and complaining the most, just understand that you, you don't give the play back that goes in your favor. If the official makes a mistake and your team ends up winning or getting the better result of the play, you don't take that back. I've never heard a fan say, well, that was a bad call by the official. They should have overturned it and my team should have lost that game. It's sports. It's entertainment. And I understand up to a certain point. Maybe there's part of it that I don't understand. And maybe that's why the, this is kind of a big deal. Maybe this is why, you know, I'm that, you know, man just yelling into a microphone, calling the fans out. But the bottom line is, you understand that sometimes you're going to lose. And, and I don't know how to change it. I'm not, I'm not powerful enough to be able to change the impact of a team losing a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game or... In, in most cases, in, in other cases, a championship-style game. Having it decided by a call of an official. Maybe there's more that could be done to clarify the rules, to define the rules, to expand instant replay. I'm all in favor of these things as they are proposed to better the game, better the experience, better get the calls correct. But in the meantime... You got to understand that there's human beings making calls. Every time there's human beings making calls, they're going to make a mistake. And if that mistake costs your team a game, well, hey, you're on the wrong side of it. But once again, if that same call was made on the other side and was the reason your team won, you as the fan are not giving it back. I heard a little discussion about who was or who is the worst coach in NFL history. And I think there's a lot of coaches you could throw out there that didn't succeed. You could start with the college coaches that didn't make it through a whole season, whether it's or made it through just one year. You talk about Urban Meyer of last year, right? Bobby Petrino, 
with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I think uh, Nick Saban, you know, his brief time with the Miami Dolphins. Hugh Jackson had back-to-back seasons where he was 0-16 and 1-15. and and I mean, it's hard to back that up and not say you're one of the worst coaches of all time. And I think there's a lot of other ones that come up. If you're a Jets fan, you could say, hey, who was worse, Todd Bowles or Adam Gase? You know, the Giants, you could say, hey, how bad of a coach was Ben McAdoo? And every, every team has a coach like that. One of the ones I disagree with, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher may be disliked as a head coach. The guy coached for, what, 15, 16 years? It's hard to say that you, you could be a worst coach of all time and last that long. So what, what I decided, and I did this actually on my site not that long ago, was compile the worst head coaches in the NFL in history based off of winning percentage. And of course, I got my site up right now and I can't find it. But eventually I will. Or maybe I won't. Uh, you know, it's probably just not here. But what I came up with was a guy that is very revered in the NFL community. And in fact, the worst coach in the history of pro football is actually in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of people don't know that. Now, was he in the Hall of Fame because of how bad of a coach he was? No, he wasn't. But the guy's name is Burt Bell. And for you you who don't know who Burt Bell is, he was born in 1895, passed away in 1959, was a head football coach of the Philadelphia Ball Club of the NFL. And, of course, we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles of 1936 through 1941. Now, understand, this was right prior to World War II, but at the same time, you know, the guy had a 179 winning percentage over the course of six seasons. Coached two games for the, the Pittsburgh Club of 1941. And prior to that, some very bad seasons for the Philadelphia Eagles. Overall, 10 wins, 46 losses, two ties. A 179 winning percentage over the course of his career. And you wonder why Burt Bell is in the Hall of Fame. Now, if you know your football, it's an easy answer. Burt Bell was the first commissioner of the National Football League, and we know that uh, there's a special treatment when it comes to commissioners, right? Burt Bell could have the worst record of any head football coach in history and be in the Hall of Fame because he was the first commissioner. You know, the first commissioner of baseball could be an outright racist and say that a black player will play on the same field as a white player over my dead body and mean it literally. And he could be a no-doubt Hall of Famer. So once again, you know you, you know my opinion when it comes to the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Some of the best to ever do it are not in. But yet, some people that characters could very well be questioned. And records could very well be questioned. It's hard to put somebody in a pro football Hall of Fame at a 10 and 46 record. But he was the first commissioner. Okay. You know. Kennesaw Mountain Landis was the reason that blacks were not allowed to play baseball with whites for 60-something years. He was the first commissioner. He's in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to close the show today with a little more controversy. Like we haven't stirred up enough, right? 
you know, Met fans, New York fans are probably pissed at me because I'm siding with Jacob DeGrom's decision to not speak. NFL fans, especially team fans of teams that lost last week, are pissed off at me, right? Because you know, you're only you, you only have a hard, hard time with the officiating because your team lost. It was inconvenient for you. The fans that only bitch and complain about the officiating each week, what do they have in common? Their team's lost. If your team won, you wouldn't be bitching about it. So, if you don't think that's enough, I'm going to throw a take when it comes to Trevor Bauer, pitcher, currently for the Dodgers. We're expecting him to be released from his contract. I think it would make sense. It's probably the right thing for the Los Angeles Dodgers to do. And for those who don't know, Trevor Bauer is suspended at least partially through the 2023 season. Currently under contract with the Dodgers. And he signed originally, I think it was a two-year deal with an option. So his option is not picked up. Or there's a $15 million buyout, which the Dodgers probably won't have to pay. So the Dodgers did their job. They, they took care of their obligation when it came to Trevor Bauer's contract. He was to be paid, minus the time that he was suspended for being a Los Angeles Dodger. Now what stands out is he is a free agent right now. Maybe not at this moment. Maybe they're still waiting a, a determination of any criminal trial that may, may be finishing. Major League Baseball decided to suspend him for the course of two seasons. And I stick with my opinion when it comes to athletes and their ability to work. Trevor Bauer should be able to get another contract to play Major League Baseball again. And what I, I'll go and cite, I'll cite Michael Vick. Once again, easy one for me to go right to. The people that are down on Trevor Bauer for what I did, for what he did, obviously... You know, I'm not in a position to condone it, nor will I. Uh, what's alleged that that he did in his weird type of sex life is disgusting, deplorable, and came with it a penalty which kept him from being able to work. He was suspended from his job, a job that he got paid very well for, for the conduct that he decided that he thought it was okay. Now, once again, no criminal charges. He's not serving time in prison. He was not convicted of anything. And you can make a case that a lot of what happened, not all of it, was consensual. Now, when it comes down to it, the details, you want to dispute the details, I'm, I'll totally back down to whatever you say and whatever you believe. You know, Trevor Bauer, I'm not making him out to be a good dude. But I believe he has the right to work. Mike Vick made a terrible decision. The dog fighting, how many dogs were murdered and killed and brutally destroyed in his presence. He was convicted of that. He served a sentence for that. Came back and played pro football again. Trevor Bauer in the early part of his 30s, did something that was disgusting, deplorable, and he probably should have served some time in prison for. But 
He wasn't charged, convicted, or sentenced. Has been suspended for baseball for two years. Apparently is appealing the suspension, so there's a chance that that suspension could be overturned. He deserves the right to work. Now you may say, hey, I'm a fan of X team. I would not want him to pitch for my team. He should play he should play baseball again. He has got the right to work. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you hopefully tomorrow. Been feeling better. Looking forward to uh, hopefully getting some people fired up when it comes to uh, topics, when it comes to the world of sports. Unique takes that you may not be used to hearing. Uh, Certainly listen back. If you want my thoughts on DeGrom, my thoughts about NFL fans, my thoughts about Trevor Bauer. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude there are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.